You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. So here's an article from, that was published in the Seattle Times. It's from bankrate.com. And it is indicating that black neighborhood home appraisal gap, meaning there's a gap in value between homes appraised for in, in black census tracts versus white census tracts or any other kind of census tract. The home appraisal gap is real and persistent, Freddie Mac reports. This is an interesting one. I'm going to go through this. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of real estate companies. One of them is Reynolds and Klein Appraisal. So this is my wheelhouse for the last 30 years. And I'm going to share some of my insights and what I think this article means and where uh, kind of some of the data comes from and why the gap the gap is really interesting what they're talking about. The percentage difference is shocking. And I'll tell you why you got to stick around. All right, so let's get into it. Um, and shocking from a good standpoint, I thought the difference would be way larger. It's not it's not that much. So let's get into it. Here we go. The racial gap in home appraisals is a real phenomenon. One that sabotages the wealth building power of home ownership in black and Latina neighborhoods, mortgage giant Freddie Mac said. Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, those are the two major quasi governmental entities that provide liquidity in the residential mortgage market. So oftentimes you will go to a bank, you'll get your mortgage or you go to a mortgage broker, you go to a whomever you go to to get your mortgage, your mortgage will get sold off and it'll get bundled up into packages that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac buy to keep the liquidity going so that those banks can reload their lines of credit, go back out earn and, uh, and, and, and just rinse repeat. So this is uh, mortgage giant Freddie Mac, who's taken a little dive into these into these data points. You've all seen those articles where it said, Yeah, I'm a black homeowner. And I had pictures up in my family in the home and it appraised for this amount. We took all those pictures down and it appraised for way more. I always question those because the things that I look for are the specifics and I can never see the specifics, which are, well, what comps did the appraiser use? What, what data did the appraiser use? Cause that's really what you're looking at because you can't just use a bunch of really crappy comps and put out an adequate appraisal. And you can't use a bunch of really super high comps and put out an adequate appraisal either. So a lot of the media that you see doesn't really understand the appraisal process. And they just jump to conclusions that are just, you know, it, it, it's crazy. But those generate headlines. And that's what we're working with today, right? It, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. The company released and we're talking about Freddie Mac. Now the company released an analysis Monday, showing that appraised values are more likely to fall short of the contract price for homes and census tracts with a higher share of black and Latino households. The conclusion was based on Freddie Mac's examination of 12 million appraisals ordered for purchase transactions from 2015 to 2020. So before we go any further, within the appraisal process, when you go out to do an appraisal, oftentimes on a purchase, you don't see the buyer, you don't know who was purchasing the home, you might know who lives in the home, 
because you had there's there's family photos up. But most real estate brokers during a purchase transaction, they're going to tell uh, the family to take down any personal items so that you don't uh, discourage a certain you don't create some kind of mental falsehood for the buyers coming in. Oh, I don't like this home because they've got this which I don't believe in, you know, some either kind of religious or family or any personal items. You just basically whitewash the house, right? You just take down all the stuff. It doesn't matter what race you are. You just take down all personal items because then you've opened it up to the greatest number of people walking into your home, looking at it, going, all right, I can see myself living here. All right. Yeah, that's pretty cool because believe it or not, we all have kind of biases. Oh, I don't like those folks or I, I don't believe in that. And if you see something in a house, and it gives you that negative connotation, that's an objection that a real estate broker is going to have a hard time overcoming because you're like, ah, I just didn't like that house. How come? Well, because it had this in it. And so one of the big jobs of real estate brokers is just to make the home, you know, as, uh, as, as least offensive to anybody out there looking at the home as humanly possible. Strip it on down, right? So the appraisal gap matters because it creates a barrier for black and Latino consumers hoping to buy homes. Okay, so when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, wow, this gap has got to be pretty big, because otherwise, um, we wouldn't be talking about barriers for, for black and Latinos or anybody of, of color, right? This is a persistent problem that disproportionately impacts hundreds of thousands of black and Latino applicants, said Michael Bradley, Fre Freddie Mac, senior vice president of modeling economics, data science and analytics. Freddie Mac study added data points to claims that appraisers might subconsciously, might subconsciously undervalue homes in non-white neighborhoods. All right, so what we're saying is that we don't really know and we don't have any actual data to support this, but we think this might be happening. All right, let's let, let's let's just roll with that and we'll we'll give this article the the benefit of the doubt. Okay, so so we're literally saying subconsciously they might subconsciously undervalue homes. So if that's the case, man, that the disparity has got to be pretty big, right? I mean, valuing a home is an imprecise art, of course. So Freddie compared appraised values to the purchase prices that buyers had agreed to pay. And, and appraising is an art. I mean, it is, it's your opinion. It's your professional opinion. Because there is no, there's no one database that has all the values for homes. Because it's what a willing buyer and a willing seller agree upon as basically a price. That's the price. And then is the value there? That's what an appraiser does. And if it's a refinance, the appraiser just takes their best professional opinion of what that home is on that given day. And that's how we get to value. And you've got a wide range of comparable sales to use. And those are up to the discretion of the appraiser, which creates a range of value for any given property. So if I throw out a value of call it 1 million, in reality, the range of value for that property, depending on the market, it might be 950 to a million 75, because there's a range there, right? One person might pay a little bit less, one person might pay a little bit more. But the preponderance in the appraiser's opinion of value for that home 
is a million bucks. And that's called the reconciliation. That's right before you write million bucks on the appraisal. And uh, that's the very, very last step. So when people say, well, can you just tell me what the value is? Before you finish up the report, you can't do that. Because the valuation is the very last thing you essentially do. Because you got to go through all these other steps to get there. So, um, so we're talking about purchase price versus appraised value. Its study found that homes in mostly black and Latino census tracts were assigned appraised values lower than the contract price more frequently than homes in white tracts. While 12.5%, this is really critical here, while 12.5% of homes in mostly black areas were appraised for less than the contract price, just 7.4% of homes in mostly white tracts experienced appraisal shortfalls. All right, so we've got 5.1% difference. That to me, that's, that's pretty darn close given just circumstances of ranges of value. And I'm not trying to justify a situation here. But when I saw that, I'm like, wow, that is actually that's pretty darn close. All right. So if you extrapolate 5%, 5.1%, though, over 12 million loans, that's a lot. It's a lot. But I think there's some there, there's multiple circumstances that you could probably attribute why you've got a 5.1% gap. And it's not because appraisers are subconsciously or even consciously uh, undervaluing these homes. It's based on data. And unfortunately, data in a lot of the black and Hispanic areas, those are in areas that um, they've had a tougher time, they have been they're they're depressed. They've been socio and economically depressed. We know that. And, and what we're talking about is uh, census tracts where you've got uh, a preponderance of the population is um, either either black or Latino. That's the data that I'm that I'm looking at here. And so in those neighborhoods, you've got fewer points of data where things sell for way over list price. Whereas in other neighborhoods, the super strong demand neighborhoods where white people typically often live, let's be honest, um, you've got higher, higher points of data that support higher price points, and support higher valuations based on strictly the data. So it's, it's not an issue where an appraiser is like, well, I'm just going to come in low on this, even though this article would would make you want to believe that. Um, is is there some of that? I, I'm sure there is where appraisers are like, Oh, yeah, that's, that's not my experience. And but my experience here in Seattle is, we don't have a lot of areas that are exclusively black or Latino. We have areas where there's, you know, a wide range of culture. And what's more is the concentration of black or Latino residents in census tracts increases, the appraisal gap increases, Freddie Mac found. Okay, but you can't directly attribute that to an appraiser subconsciously, maybe undervaluing them. There's always a data trend there. And that's what I would want to look at. What is the actual data trend in those two neighborhoods? Because we've only got a five five point one 5.1% difference, right? That's pretty small. 
that's pretty minute considering I was expecting to see uh, something on this scale. I was expecting to see like 15%. That would be significant. 5.1%. Um, yeah, it's there. But again, I think it's based on on data within those specific neighborhoods. And the culprit doesn't seem to be a small number of unenlightened appraisers, which leads me to believe you can find the answers within the data. A large portion of appraisers who completed appraisals in both minority and non-minority areas generated statistically significant gaps, Freddie Mac said. Well, we already looked at that. It's not statistically that great. In its study said the lender will continue to examine the full root cause of the gap. Great. I'd love to hear it. One of the things that over the course of my career, which spanned something like 30 something years of being out in the field looking at properties is um, I never very rarely appraised a black person's house very rarely. Oftentimes, we would appraise rental properties that were occupied by black tenants that happened fairly often. But actual black ownership, and part of that is because King County, where I operate, has just a very small percentage of, of the population is black, or, or back in the day, even Latino. Um, that has increased as, you know, population trends have, have changed, and we've got more Latinos in, in the Seattle market now. We've got, also, we've got a, an enormous Chinese population. We've got a big Vietnamese population. We've got, you know, multi, we've got a, an enormous Indian population now here in, in King County with Microsoft. They work for Microsoft. So we're super diverse um, economy, super diverse as far as housing goes. And so I'm not exposed to a lot of these markets where you've got just, all right, this is a straight black neighborhood. These are all white neighborhoods. Just, we don't see a ton of that, but you know, here in Seattle, you still think, okay, why aren't I seeing more black ownership? And that, that's one of those questions that I've always had. It's like, and some of that I've been explained that, all right, you're a white appraiser, you're going to deal with other uh, people within your community. And those are typically going to be other white mortgage brokers or white, you know, you, you just tend to deal with people within your community. Do I have I dealt with black mortgage loan officers? Absolutely. You bet. Do I have black real estate brokers in Summit? Absolutely. You bet. Um, but because I, I probably have a higher percentage of Chinese or Asian real estate brokers um, than anything else, just because of where we are in the Seattle market. And there's an enormous market um, for a lot of cross-cultural uh, neighborhoods. So it's, it's a Seattle has become a real melting pot of, of humanity. And so real estate reflects that it's like, okay, yeah, we just got a lot, we deal with a lot of different people, got to be able to deal with a lot of different cultures. And that's kind of just what we do. And so I never inherently think of the whole race thing. 
But it's always there in the back of my mind. It's like, why haven't I done more appraisals of black people's homes? And that's one of those just interesting things that, you know, runs through your head. And you're like, oh, that does seem weird. But okay, population, uh, King County, they make up seven black people make up like 7% of the population. All right, but I haven't done 7% of my appraisals haven't been <laughs> haven't 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 been done on black people's homes, literally, probably less than 10 inspections of black owned homes over the years of um, and maybe way more of people black people buying homes because we don't we don't we don't know the race of who's buying a home we get an appraisal contract we get an appraisal order and then we get a contract and um, it might have the names on there but we don't really care about that because we're concerned about the address purchase price all that other stuff who's buying the home that is not it's not a uh, it's not a factor. It's certainly not a factor to me because it doesn't play into the appraisal process. So anything outside of the appraisal process, I don't care. You know what I mean? Although sometimes you'll you'll notice, oh hey, that's an NBA basketball player, and so, <laughs> some of the worst decisions of buying real estate I can attribute to either rock stars or professional sports players, just terrible decisions on real estate. That's a whole nother podcast. Literally super busy streets, over over improved home, just, you know, just decisions where they saw an enormous cool pool room or something. And like, I've got to have this and their manager is like, that's a good buy, you should get that. And then they try and sell it later. And it's like, oh, they, they lost a million bucks on that one. Hmm. Yeah, management just not doing their job. So its study, Freddie Mac's study says the lender will continue to examine the full root cause of the gap. All right. Freddie's study reflects new attention to the racial gap by big players in the housing sector. In an earlier finding on the same topic, a 2018 study by the Brookings Institute found that black owned homes are undervalued by 48,000 on average. Okay, so I'm going to take exception to this. Because as I said earlier, there is no database out there with the actual value of a home. So the Brookings Institute finding that black owned homes are undervalued by $48,000 on average. What is that based on? T tell me what the data is there. Um, and I need to look up that study. But when, when uh, an article like this just kind of throws it out, you're like, they're undervalued by 48 grand on average. And we're just like, Oh, okay, that's the case. What was the baseline for the $48,000 difference? What was that? Because I'm an appraiser, and I've been doing this for years and years and years. And I know that you put me out there, and somebody else out there, and somebody else out there from three different backgrounds, you might come up, you're gonna come up with three different values. So, so the whole $48,000 on average, I don't place a lot of weight on those studies because most of them, they've got an agenda and they're like, okay, this is what we're aiming for. This is what we're looking for here. And this year, Chase committed $3 million to the Appraiser Diversity Institute. The megabank says its goal is to root out bias in the residential appraisal process. What's interesting about the residential appraisal process is we don't deal with the people involved other than a real estate broker getting us into a home. And we've got our own keypads to the key boxes. So oftentimes, we just let our ourselves into a home. We don't know who owns it. We don't know who's buying it. We don't know who's doing the lending. 
We don't know who's doing escrow. And frankly, we don't care. So the bias thing, of course, there's bias in the marketplace, just because that's human being, right? That's human nature. But I don't think it's as great as as these studies make it out to be. In a separate statement, September 20th, the Appraisal Institute lauded Freddie Mac for exploring the issue. Unconscious bias is real and exists in all industries, the trade group said. Now, I am a member of the Appraisal Institute. I'm a, a two-time designated member of the Appraisal Institute. Um, and to me, they're just basically they're going along the same track as everybody else is right now is, hey, this is something we need to take a look at. Uh, it's important. And unconscious bias is real and exists in all industries. But it seems like we're going to the, the opposite end of the spectrum here, doesn't it on it in everything, including the appraisal. And that's why I wanted to read this. All right, let's let's check this out and see what's going on. Appraisal is one piece of a larger ecosystem and appraisal groups are working alongside consumer groups, real estate brokers and agents, banks, government agencies, think tanks and others to explore where housing inequities may stem from from and what combination of solutions should be considered. The biggest thing that I hear from mortgage brokers who try and help people is that credit and job stability are the two biggest hindrances to buying a home. So if you if you don't take care of your credit, and if you don't have stable income over a period of time, if you've been fired, if you have gaps in your employment, those are a couple of things that are way larger issues than the bias in the appraisal industry. And that's that is just a known quantity. And yet, we don't want to focus on that, because then people have to take a look at themselves and go, yeah, my credit sucks, because I don't pay my bills on time. So um, that's a that is a, that's a that's a real thing, starting at the very beginning. And that applies to any group of people got to have good credit. That's the number one hindrance, in my opinion, is and, and we work on the summit side of things, we work with a lot of people who are starting out, I want to buy a home, I've got enough money, my credit sucks. All right, so here's what you go and do. You make your payments on time, you work with a, a credit repair company, they you know, spend a little bit of money, but it's worth it. Because then you can now go buy a home at a market rate interest rate instead of paying hard money, you know, type loans, um, which prey on people that haven't taken care of their credit, don't have that st stable income. Th these are general rules. And that is what I see as the hindrance to home ownership in a lot of these markets. So appraisals are just one piece of a stubborn racial divide in the US housing market. Black Americans have less wealth overall because of some of those issues I just mentioned to me and in talking to the black brokers that I have working for me, brokers of color, um, and therefore are less likely to own homes. And when they do own homes, they find themselves more likely to pay higher mortgage rates. Well, what causes you to pay higher mortgage rates? Your credit score isn't as good. You don't have as much of a down payment because you haven't had the job history, any any one of those things. And that goes for anybody, anybody. It's not just blacks or Latinos, right? Black homeowners have often struggled to build long term wealth because their properties are undervalued. 
This is the conclusion of the article. Black homeowners often struggle to build long term wealth because their properties are undervalued. And there is no straightforward, easy way to dispute an appraisal or have it changed. So though there is a there is a straightforward, easy way to dispute an appraisal, you go through the appraisal dispute process. And that's when you send in comparable sales to the lender. But having it changed, you need to have some real data and not just a fuzzy feeling that the house is worth more. If 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 I miss something as an appraiser, and there are three comps that I missed, which isn't going to happen, then you've got a very good logical argument to have that appraisal value changed. But most oftentimes, this only comes into effect when people think that their house is worth more, which is almost all the time. Nobody ever says, you know what, here's four sales that prove that my house is worth less. So I need you to appraise this for less. Nobody ever says that, do they? They're always complaining, my house is worth more. So why didn't you use this sale? Well, that's in a better neighborhood. Why didn't you use this sale? Well, it's got more updating. Why didn't you use this sale? Oh, it's 30% larger in the gross living area. Oh, okay. So you wanted me to use those three sales because you want a higher value on your home. Correct? That, that, that is, I've had that conversation so many times and people just kind of look at me and go, you can't say anything. You can't say anything. There's nothing to say. Along these lines, so that's so we're going to cap. We're going to cap that one, and um, I'll keep exploring this. I think there is some bias um, out there. Y- you can't ignore that, but I don't think it's as great as these articles would lead you to believe. And when you start to do the deep dive on the data, you're like, "Oh, yeah, that's actually much closer." than I would have imagined. Some of the things that I've been looking at lately have been like the the Gabby uh, Petito thing. Why in the world is that getting so much attention? Because the weekend that happened, and if you don't know that story, you've been living under a rock. She's a van lifer, uh, Instagram influencer, who turned up dead, her boyfriend's on the lam, he's missing, Dog the Bounty Hunter is now looking for him dog um, got remarried and he's having his honeymoon in Florida. So he might as well just look for, you know, the girl's boyfriend, Brian. Um, Why is that new story getting so much attention? It's getting crazy amounts of attention. And yet, you've got things like this guy here that I'm looking at. Lack of answers is excruciating for family of man found shot to death at Seattle's Gasworks Park. So part of what goes through my head is I read so many news stories that I kind of know where all the crime happens. Gasworks Park is a really cool old gas distillery that looks across South Lake Union to downtown Seattle, and you've got the skyline there. It's a really cool park, but it's also got some pretty sketchy components right around it. Homeless people living in a bunch of RVs, and you've got homeless encampments right there. So a black guy got capped at 4.30 in the morning. Um, back in August, and virtually nobody said anything, anything. And his family is like, we don't have any answers at all. Nothing. They don't they don't know why it happened. And so I'm over in Seattle fairly often fairly close to Gasworks Park. And so I always think of that It's like, I wonder if they've, you know, had any luck with that one guy that just got randomly killed 
He was wearing a suit. He was wearing a fedora. He was wearing dress shoes. 4.30 in the morning, he was carrying his um, his suitcase. Um, his name is Willie Smith Jr. And he was 45. And he got just randomly killed. Those stories get zero coverage. Cute white girl with white boyfriend, you know, kind of makes you think, all right, are they throwing this out here as a distraction? Because we certainly glommed on to that. Whereas you've got this other stuff where the weekend, the Gabby Petito's body was found, a three-year-old kid playing in his own home in Chicago gets shot in the back, just bullet goes winging through his house and clips him in the back. That story didn't get a lot of coverage. No, but Gabby Petito, oh my word, how many news stories have we had on that? Kind of just makes you think, hmm, yeah, there is a real bias here. There's a real bias here, but sometimes not in the way that you would necessarily think. Because it's, it's like, all right, the media doesn't necessarily want to show some of these stories because it doesn't look good. And one of my things here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast is to do a deep dive into, say, an Atlanta neighborhood, or I've focused on Chicago, because some of the policy there, you're able to look at and go, okay, that's not what we want to do. That is not having the intended impact on the local communities. So that's a neighborhood that I follow very closely. But here in Seattle, dude gets killed at 430 in the morning, randomly shot, and then basically just, well, there's that. And yet Gabby Petito over here, cute white blonde girl, young, all the coverage in the world. They've got like 300 police officers out there looking for her boyfriend. It's like, hmm, this is crazy. Dog the bounty hunter. I mean, I mean, we all kind of know this. It's just, it's just some media stories. They're going to be more popular. We're going to talk about those others. Yeah, there's no market for them. And this is one of those stories. But um, I wanted to read, I'm just going to read a few of these paragraphs. Um, so on a Sunday in August, Willie Smith Jr. and his younger brother went fishing at Spanaway Lake Park, which is down south, pr probably about an hour from Seattle, maybe an hour and a half, uh, but left empty handed. They stopped by a market on their way home and bought a yellow, croak yellow croaker that Smith hooked to his line for a photo before he fried it up. Here's my fish. It was the best fish I ever had in my life. We had a good time, said Jeremy Walker, 37, laughing at the memory of his brother, proudly posing with his faux catch. Eight days later, on August 16th, Smith, 45, was found dead from multiple gunshot wounds, lying on the ground near the entrance to Seattle's Gasworks Park. What he was doing there at 4.30 a.m. and why someone would kill the affable, fun-loving former cook or mysteries that plague his siblings. He was, uh, Walker can't imagine that anyone would consider Smith a threat. He stood only a few inches over five feet and walked with a stiff gait. Thanks to a cracked femur, he suffered after slipping into a pothole while racing his 21-year-old nephew at a family barbecue back in Georgia. If somebody, if you're 45 and somebody that's 21 says, hey, let's race, don't do it. Um, but According to Walker, Smith was wearing a white linen suit, dress shoes, and a brown fedora with a red feather in the band when he was shot. Also in his possession was a small rolling suitcase. Detective Patrick Michaud, 
A spokesperson for Seattle Police said by email that the homicide detectives are unable to confirm any of those details, and there are no updates in the investigation. Anyone with information asked to call the Seattle Police Department's tip line 206-233-5000. That is how so many of these stories go. Hey, we don't have we don't have a line on the suspect. The murderer of this person is just they're just going to go free. We we don't have enough manpower here to uh to investigate and you know the murders just back up and back up in Portland. I think they are spending some money to uh, I recently read a story in Portland's spending some money to basically catch up on their homicide cases, like 3 million bucks or something. I can't remember, but I'm going to probably do a podcast on that because with crime going up, we don't have the resources with the defunding of the police to actually investigate a lot of these crimes, including this one here of Willie Smith Jr., 45. And yet we've got 300 Law enforcement officials looking for Gabby Petito. I mean, just on the face of it, you're like, what is going on here? This And they've got an FBI warrant out for his arrest for taking out a thousand bucks from Gabby's uh, debit card. Now, obviously, that's not a huge crime, but that's what they're using. And the media is like, oh, there's a great huge manhunt for this guy. I, I want to see Gabby's killer caught. I really do. But it's the disparity of resources that kind of makes you go, all right, there's so much focus on Gabby. What's behind that? That's what I think of. Whereas a guy like Willie Smith Jr., or I was reading, you know, the number of black women that go missing in Atlanta is astronomical. I mean, it's incredible. And so people are going, hey, we see see the attention Gabby's getting. What about us? Yeah. So I wanted to do a what about us for Willie Smith Jr. I don't know if that does any good, but just knowing that those cases are out there um, and family members have lost a loved one, just like Gabby, you know, Petito's has. <sighs> Crazy stuff, right? And we can't really solve it all. But I think it's important to know that, um, yeah, there's more people out there than just Gabby Petito that have gone missing. And, um, you know, resources need to be spent on them as well. That's the bottom line. And if there are racial disparities in the appraisal process, I would want to know about them and how I could, you know, put out better appraisals that mitigate some of those racial biases. But to me, the data is numerical. And so it's kind of hard to manipulate that based on a perceived racial bias. But I'm I'm open to listening. If somebody has something to tell me in my appraisal process where I'm missing something, more than happy to take a look at it. So what we're doing here on the Real Seattle Real Estate uh, uh, Podcast, trying to be reasonable, which is what I think uh, a lot of the media misses. And, um, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. That's the stuff that gets the attention, right? All right. That's it for me on this one. Thanks so much for being here. We'll catch up soon. Till then, stay safe. We'll talk then. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out. 